Welcome to the Human Experience Podcast, the only podcast designed to fuse your left and right brain hemispheres and feed it the most entertaining and mentally engaging topics on the planet. As we approach our ascent, please make sure your frontal, temporal and occipital lobes are in their full upright position. As you take your seat of consciousness, relax your senses and allow us to take you on a journey. We are the Intimate Strangers. Thank you for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. We've planned an incredible episode for you guys this evening. Our guest, Dr. Joe Vitali, whose work I've been studying for well over a decade. He has been on my list of people to interview since the inception of HXP. So this is going to be a very powerful conversation. Sit back, grab a drink, maybe some popcorn, and enjoy this, this conversation. The Human Experience is in session. My name is Xavier Katana. My guest for today is Dr. Joe Vitali. Dr. Joe Vitali is an author, speaker, and spiritual teacher, best known for his appearance in the movie The Secret. He is regarded as one of the top copywriters and most successful marketers on the planet. Joe has an incredible story of at one point in his own life being homeless on the streets of Dallas, where the books he read taught him the metaphysics and positive thinking he needed to use the law of attraction in his own life to gain worldwide fame and success. Joe is also a musician who has been featured in Rolling Stone magazine. He's delivered talks in many countries around the world. He's been referred to as the Buddha of the internet. He has appeared on such outlets as Larry King, Newsweek, CNBC, and now The Human Experience. Joe, it is truly a pleasure. Thank you so much for making the time to be here. Welcome to HXP. Thank you. I've been looking forward to this very moment. I've seen what you've done in the past, heard some of your interviews, and I thought, I can't wait for my turn. So this is this is the moment. This is the one I've been waiting for. You know you're a success in life when you get to be on the Human Experience Podcast. Wow, that's that's so that's such a huge compliment coming from you, especially. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for making a point to do that. So, I mean, Joe, some people might not know who you are. So maybe very briefly, if you could just kind of give us a little introduction about you know what you do, who you are, please. Wow. Okay. Let's see if we can do that. I am primarily an author. I have written 70-some books. Some of them have been best-selling life changers, so I'm told. I wrote The Attractor Factor. I wrote a lot of self-help spiritual books, metaphysical books, but I also wrote a lot of nonfiction um, marketing, publicity, copywriting, advertising kind of books early in the 1990s. I was one of the first internet marketers when the internet showed up. I wrote one of the first books on internet marketing way back in the mid-1990s. But I also had a spiritual side, so I was writing spiritual books along the way. And one of those books, The Attractor Factor, got noticed by a woman in Australia who called me up and said she wanted to make a movie about the law of attraction, one of the concepts in the book. And would I be in it? Hmm. That ended up being a life-changing decision because, as you know, that movie was The Secret. Since then, I've been asked to write spiritual books, speak on spiritual subjects, and most of the marketing copywriting has been left aside because everybody wants to know what's the metaphysics of success. Hmm. So what am I? I'm an author. I am a musician, as you said. I am a speaker traveling around the world talking about all of these different subjects. And I pretty much just follow my passion. God, I, I love that. I mean, you, you seem like you've crafted, you know, you've created the dream life for yourself there, you know, going from where you went to where you are now and the, the notoriety that you've gained and, and worldwide success, really. And, I mean, the the law of attraction is something that in circles now, I think, is very well known about and very highly spoken of. 
So, you know, let's let's start there. Uh, there was, I think there was an interview that you did in uh, Huffington Post where you talk about your collection of rare books. You And you mentioned you learned about the law of attraction in some of those books. So, you know, what is the law of attraction and, and which books of yours, you know, helped you understand it? Well, that's a great question, and it opens up this wonderful treasure chest because I'm a bookaholic. I absolutely love books. And when I was homeless in Dallas, as you had mentioned in the intro, I spent most of my time in the Dallas Public Library, which was a blessing and a curse. You know, it was a blessing because here I am in the Holy Grail, the, the vault of wisdom. But it was also a curse because I was broke. I was unknown. I was didn't have money for anything. I didn't have a car, food, any of that. But I was reading all of those books. The Magic of Believing by Claude Bristol in 1953, it came out. Of course, Thinking Grow Rich, the Dale Carnegie material. But what most people don't know is the law of attraction has been around for a very long time. And there are books from the 1800s and the early 1900s that talked about the law of attraction. And I was able to read those books because of the library. Most of those are in the public domain now, and you can find them with a five-second Google search. Mm-hmm. But the law of attraction in the most simplistic form is basically saying whatever you're focused on is what you're going to tend to attract into your life. It's not that simple, but that is the basic kindergarten elementary definition of law of attraction what you focus on with your thoughts and feelings is what you're tending to get in your life pretty quickly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah you know we've had we've had many scientists uh, you know the credentialed scientists that are physicists wow. and we talk about this and in, in quantum physics you know, it's represented you know, that this is possible that this is a a real phenomenon that that occurs you know with uh entangled particles and you know just superposition so you know there is a math seemingly behind what's going on here with projecting your thoughts and reality creation intention manifestation so you know let's let's break it down a little bit more than that you know like uh, let's say let's say that you i mean in that position of being homeless on the streets let's say that that you encounter a person that has no money there or they're struggling with their finances what is the first tool what is the first thing that you give them what is the first tool that you give them to you know start to draw in success money it's a great question but it's a difficult one to answer because if i take myself now and go back in time to visit the joe on the homeless streets of dallas in the late 1970s and began begin to share some of the things i know now that joe would probably deck me He would punch me. He would not want to listen to me because he is starving. He is broke. He is skeptical. He is miserable. He wants to know, how do I survive? And I'd be showing up saying, hey, your thoughts create your reality. If you can change your thoughts, you've got to get a different reality. I can imagine that a homeless person would be not open to that. Maybe if I left a brochure that said, here are the top five things to do to begin to change your current situation, it would include things like, well, call 211. In the United States, there's lots of phone numbers, not just 911, but other phone numbers you can call and you can get shelter. You can get some food. Or I would say something like, you know what, if you haven't eaten, go sell your blood. Go get 10 bucks or your plasma. Go get 100 bucks and go get some uh, food in your belly right now. After that, once they're able to hear me, I might start entertaining the idea that, you know, what you are thinking is leading to what you're doing, and what you're doing is leading to what you're receiving, and what you're receiving isn't necessarily what you want right now. So you have to back up and start looking at your thoughts. So I would find some sort of entry point that would say your thoughts are creating your reality. And I know, depending on where somebody is at, they're going to be incredibly resistant. Or if they looked at me as an authority figure and thought, well, he was homeless once, maybe he knows what he's talking about, they might open their mind and listen. So it's an awkward place to start because it's really difficult to know what what exactly is the right thing to say Mm -hmm. to somebody who's in a mess and you really want to say, you know what, you created that. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I resonate. I can, you know, I understand what you're getting at, and I, I think it's important, you know. And I think, I mean, I had mixed feelings about the secret and how it was received. So I'm curious, you know, to understand what you felt after it came out because it felt like to me that people, you know, f- thought that they could just sit back in their bedrooms, yeah. laying in bed, and think, you know, something into the universe have this magical intention go out and sit back and it appears at your doorstep. You know, that's just not how it works, right? Yes, and I would totally agree with that. That was a stumbling point in the movie itself. Now, I would defend the movie to begin with. Whether I was in the movie or not, I'd say, go watch the movie. The movie's inspiring. The movie is a introduction to a self-help principle we all need to know. But that's the key. It's an introduction. It is not a collegiate course. It's not a four-year program. It is not the encyclopedia of all the techniques, principles, and psychology you need to know to change your reality. It is basically a introduction. On a very introductory level, yes, visualizing what you want, meditating over it are all part of how you create it and attract it, but it's incomplete. Hmm. From that standpoint, I've been one of the critics of the movie myself. Mm-hmm. I was on Larry King twice, and I think it was the first time when I said, this is the flaw. People are looking at the movie and seeing all they have to do is click their heels together, imagine a car or a bicycle or soulmate, and the doorbell rings, and they go and answer it, and there's, there's their wish fulfilled. I do believe in magic and miracles. I do believe that that is a possibility. But I mentioned I've written 70-some books. I'm a musician. I have 15 albums out. At this point, I'm in 17 movies. I have about 15 other books I want to write, a couple that are already done. None of this kind of productivity happens by sitting in a chair and visualizing it. Mm. It begins with sitting in a chair and visualizing it, but at some point you have to take action, and that's the missing secret. The people like Jack Canfield, who's also in the movie and is a great teacher, has pointed out that the word action is in the word attraction. Hmm. There is a hint that the law of attraction involves action. So that's where I would agree with the critics and say, look, it's – you know, I would defend the movie. It's an introduction, but it's also incomplete because it's not as easy as sitting in a chair and visualizing. Yeah, and I and I think I think that is a stumbling point for many people, as as you said. And you know, so so Joe, like when you know when we're thinking about what we're thinking about, it, I you know, how do we start to pick apart and sort of diagnose? Okay, this is the aspect of my thinking I need to look at and work on. Mm-hmm. How do I piece that apart? Yeah, great question. So let's see if we can open our brains here. And I mean literally try to look at the operating system of our own mind. The way we create reality is mostly unconsciously. We're thinking about things, obviously, and we're thinking about this interview. You and I are having a back and forth. This is totally unscripted. I don't know what you're going to ask. You don't know what I'm going to answer. People are listening are just going with the flow, but they're speculating. They're thinking. They're getting triggered in different ways on the conscious level. But the creations in our life happen on the subconscious slash unconscious level. The conscious mind is very, very tiny. It is very, very impotent. It's trying to steer a ship, and this ship is, imagine that famous scene of the iceberg where 10% is above water and 90% is below water. That 90% is the subconscious mind. That's where our programming is, our life experience, our mental paradigm, our belief system, the data of our mind that is really pushing the ship is below conscious awareness. So we have to do our work in the subconscious mind. That's where we have to go. Now, you can use the conscious mind to get there. You can write it and aim it and actually visit the subconscious mind with lots of different tools and techniques. But we need to become aware of a few things. For example, we create with emotion. We create with emotion. In fact, you cannot create without emotion. But most of us are focused on hate or we're focused on fear. What I prefer is to have people focus on what they love. 
focus on their passion, focus on their pleasure, to actually move and create in a new direction. A lot of the reasons people are suffering is that they are focused on what they're afraid of and they're worried all the time, which is a form of channeling your energy into a creation that you actually don't want. Hmm. So I, I think the – God, it's so hard to answer your question because it's such a brilliant question. But it, the answer is along the line of acute self-awareness. Acute self-awareness is where it begins. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I really love your answer, and it triggered a lot of different uh, thinking patterns for me. And, you know, just looking at the different blocks that I have in my own, you know, thinking and subconscious mind where, you know, let's let's say, for example, that they're, you know, I mean, most people are thinking about money. So you know, let's let's just put that. Let's just keep using that as an example. But I mean, let's say there's some sort of pre-existing trauma or pre-existing paradigm belief system that you have against money maybe when you grew up you thought mm-hmm. money was an evil thing you know maybe you thought mm-hmm. maybe you saw something in others and you know it it, I, it created something in you that that now is blocking you know this sort of neural pathway that connects you to you know the higher universe or whatever the universe is attempting to show you right mm-hmm well, there is a lot of that data, and we do get pre-programmed. In fact, by the time we're five or six years old, as science and psychology has shown, most of us are already wired. And unless we do something dramatic and conscious and with awareness and purpose and intention, we will pretty much keep that wiring until the day we die. And we do want to become aware of it. For example, my father was born in 1925, so by the time he was five years old, he was living through the... Great Depression in America. So for his world and all the people around him, his parents, his family, the neighbors, the government, the newspapers, the media, they reinforced in the most unforgettable way that there is not enough. There is not enough money. There is not enough abundance. There is not enough food. There is not enough security. You are going to live in lack and limitation and want and unfulfilled desires till the day you die. Well, my father died recently. He was 93 years old, Hmm. and he never, ever shook those beliefs that were anchored in him as a child. Here's the lesson, though. Being his son, I inherited those beliefs when I was growing up. He would tell me things like, the best way to double your money is to fold it over and put it back in your pocket. And I thought, well, that's funny, that's clever, and that's useful. Double, you know, fold my money, put it back in my pocket. And he would say things like, your best friend is the dollar bill in your pocket. Well, I grew up hearing that. And so I also downloaded his information like money's bad, money's evil, money corrupts, and there isn't enough to go around to begin with anyway. Mm-hmm. So no wonder I struggled with money. I was in poverty for 10 years. I was homeless until, until... I began to do that internal soul-searching, dissect-your-own-brain, acute, ruthless awareness that I'm referring to. And I began to realize, wait a minute, that's a belief system. What he taught me was a belief system that for him was reality. It was still a belief system, Mm -hmm. but for him, it was reality. I inherited it. When I began to wake up to the idea that beliefs create reality, and if I can start locating those beliefs and changing them, maybe I would get a different reality. Well, I, by most measures, am a pretty successful guy Mm. in a lot of different areas. Mm. But that has only happened from deprogramming the software that I inherited. Now, I'm saying this because you and every listener has downloaded limiting beliefs, mindsets, and paradigms from parents, from the community, from the culture itself that may or may not be serving you today. And what you have to do is look at that and say, am I successful? Uh, Am I okay with money? Do I have the spirituality I want or the health I want or the relationship or family I want? Uh, Am I struggling in certain areas? And all of these cases, you want to start to speculate, what might I be believing that would create that reality in me now? Hmm. And your beliefs aren't necessarily and probably are not yours. You've adopted them unconsciously, 
But this is the kind of work we're going to have to do. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's so powerful. Um, my condolences for the loss of your father. And, and oh, thank you. It, it seems it seems like yes, you know, it, that's such a huge process aspect of this uh, deprogramming, unlearning, as you said. I mean, Joe, I, I want to ask you. You know, have you have you ever been around someone? Let's you know where there's just an energy or a, a vibration that you feel, and that feeling because of that resonance or that vibration, it feels like almost you know you could manifest anything. Anything is possible. When you're around this person, you know, it's, it's almost like a, I don't know, like a magnetism that just, you know, it sort of flows out of them as if, you know, they're capable of just doing anything. What is that? What is that when a person is harnessing that feeling? What is that? Well, what a wonderful question. It leads me down a couple of different roads that I'm excited to talk about. Well, first of all, that is a person that has done the inner work. That is somebody that has already removed the limiting beliefs to their own inner passion, their own inner desires, and their own limitations. They've removed it. They're starting to live a life of zero limits. And many of these people, like Jack Maw of uh, Alibaba, they, they seem like they, they have no ceiling to the possibilities of what they can create because they're coming from this connection to life force that doesn't have anything interrupting it. I think that the homeless version of me had all kind of limitations and blocks that were not in my conscious mind. They were in my unconscious, subconscious mind that would prevent me from seeing any sort of vision or going for anything more than I wanted to be an author. So I was hoping I'd be able to write books and get published someday. And I wanted to have a place to live and have a car and have a roof over my head. Those were the very basic visions. Today, my vision's shock and surprise and inspire me. And one of the things that's going on is I've removed those inner limitations. When we're around people who have done that, I think there is a fire that we catch. You can block it. I mean, you can easily just say, well, those people are crazy or that's unique or, you know, they were born under special circumstances or the astrological chart was right for them. You can dismiss it. But what I prefer is to be around those people this is why masterminds, which Napoleon Hill talked about in the master or the, uh, the Think and Grow Rich in his first course before that, The Law of Success in 1925, his revised version in 1928, he spent a lot of time talking about masterminds. A mastermind is when six, eight or so people get together to support each other in going for their dreams. They exchange resources and business cards and such, but they're also catching fire from each other's energy. And if you have that kind of combination where everybody is a Jack Ma or a, you know, Steve Jobs or somebody that's more of a visionary that is going for wild things, you start to drop your own limitations and ride their energy wave. I get excited talking about it, and I actually hope that this is what I am for other people, that in some way, shape, or form, I am what you've described, inspiring other people to go for their dreams, because I believe that's my mission. I'm, I'm here to inspire people to go for and achieve their dreams. So fascinating question. Just love hmm. that. Hmm. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I do get that from you. And, and you know, it seems like for me, in my experience of others lately, it seems like more people are, you know, hip or in tune to energy, vibration, and and those types of words or language that maybe before, you know, they weren't really talking about. Like this wasn't, you know, like the quote, you know, woke, you know, that wasn't really a thing. It wasn't a meme. Right. So, you know, I, I want to talk about, the universe and its signals, you know, because we, this, this seems to happen in an almost mystical way in my life where, uh, you know, most, let me just back up a little bit. Most people don't really see how much work it takes to do what we're doing, run this show amongst the other things that we're doing, you know, with this company. And, you know, it, so it, it gets frustrating. You know, it, it really does. And not, not that they don't see it, but that, you know, I, there are these struggles that, that I'm experiencing myself. And I've, you know, there's been a few times where I've been ready to walk away from this, you know, and, and it's, it's been challenging. But every single time that happens, it's like the universe mystically, 
you know, beyond, glaringly, obviously, you know, without question, put something in front of me that says, no, this is your path. This is where you should continue. I love that. I have a flags theory. I, I've written about it on my blog a couple times, and the flags theory is this. When you start to go for a dream, you state an intention, whether it's like you writing or starting your show, or it might be with me starting a business or writing a book or wanting to create a new music album, you look for the signs that tell you what to do next. And I call them the red, yellow, green flags. If there's a green flag, there's a sign that uh, the door opens, the window opens, something synchronistic seems to happen. That's a green flag. It says, keep going, keep going. But if you get a yellow flag, and that's a bump in the road, that's where you got disappointed, that's where there was a snag, that's where you had a meeting and the person didn't show up, or you expected an um, investor and the investor changed their mind, there's a yellow flag on the road. Now, the yellow flag doesn't mean stop. The yellow flag means pause. The yellow flag means pause. It's cautionary, much like if you're driving down the streets, at least in America, and you got the red, yellow, and green. The yellow means, hey, be, be cautionary. Slow down a little bit right here. You might have to stop. So the yellow flag is a time to pause and reflect and go, should I continue in this direction, or am I being advised or signaled to go left, right, back up, pause for a little bit, or do something different? If you don't pay attention to the yellow flags, they turn into red flags. Red flags can hurt. Red flags mean you didn't pay attention to the yellow ones, so now you are hurt. Now there was you know, some sort of painful occurrence. It could be anything from an accident. It could be anything from a penalty and you have to pay some money. It could be a missed opportunity. There's any number of things. Mm. So what I tell people is you want to pay attention to the green and yellow flags. You say you want to do something, which that's stating your intention. I'm a great believer in intentions. Intentions are a way to align your body and your mind and your energy to go in a particular direction. It's your target. An intention is also a way to tell the universe. I call the universe the great something. And I titled one of my recent albums, The Great Something, as a nod to this mystery. And the great something is trying to tell us, here's what you do next. And if we don't listen, that's when we get the yellow flag. If we don't listen to the yellow flag, hey, that's when we get a full stop. And now we've really got to regroup and find out where we want to go next. So I want to pay attention to the green and yellow flags, and that's what I tell people. And again, this is, as you pointed out, mystical. It's almost like it's a, I don't know, it's like a quantum, unexplainable esoteric, invisible hand moving us and the pieces around us to go in a certain direction. And in some ways it feels like I'm just an actor here. I'm just playing my part in some game of life scripted by the great something. Mm -hmm. And I play my part because if I follow the green flags and the yellow flags, hey, life's pretty juicy and some cool things happen. But if I don't pay attention to the flags, I could hit a red one Red ones tend to hurt. Hmm. Yeah, there's there's so much there to unpack, and it 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 does seem <clears throat> like you know uh, reality has this way of reminding us kind of where we are on our journey as as we start to create these intentions for intentions for ourselves. But you know, my real question is is it, it becomes a little bit complex to me because then you know we get into this idea of our are we choosing, you know, is, is there this free will aspect to things or, you know, is it, how does this work? Is it the illusion of choice that I have? And am I, is it, you know, this predestination, this preset place that, that I'm going, how, how does that work? Yeah, that's the, gosh, that's the philosophical arm wrestling grand <laughs> challenge these days. People talk about the free will or not. And I've given that quite a bit of thought. Uh, first, My first answer is, yes, we have free will. And that means if you are being inspired to do something, that inspiration is coming from what I'm calling the great something. But you don't have to follow it. You have free will. You can say no. You can say no to the universe, and you can say, no, thanks, not me. Give it to the next person. You are completely free to do that. Now, my side insight is when you do say no to the universe, you miss out on winning the lottery, so to speak. 
because that inspiration is going to bring some sort of magnificent, miraculous magic to you. And when I say lotto, I don't mean the, the cash prize, but some sort of satisfaction that is very deep. It is more than a bodily felt just that felt good to do. It's more of a complete life experience satisfaction. Hmm. And that could be as simple as, you know, a woman gets inspired to open a bakery because she likes cooking dog cookies or something. And she does it and says, yes, there's a fulfillment there that isn't there otherwise. But she has free will. She can say, no, I don't really want to open a bakery. That's a little too complicated. So I, I see that's the first level. But here's the most recent thought I've had about this. And I haven't shared this publicly anywhere. But I thought to myself, when people are in an argument about having free will or not, and there's somebody saying, you know, you don't have free will. You just simply don't have free will. And they're adamant about it. I could look at him and say, change your mind about that. Go ahead, change your mind. Because if they have free will, they should be able to change their mind. Mm -hmm. If they don't have free will, they're going to be stuck thinking and believing that statement. So just that's a little rough, but at the same time, I think there's something there. For the people who really say, I don't know, I... I totally believe that there's climate change that's going to destroy us all in the next 20 years. I might say, okay, if you have free will, don't believe that. Mm -hmm. And they will find it very difficult. I think it's because <laughs> in some ways free will is an illusion. Mm. I think that we are being led by the nose, by the great something. To what end? I don't have any idea. It's a mystery. I'm here as an actor on the play too. Right. It's so profound. I mean, I you know, there's so many different directions that we could go and we could spend all night on this subject alone and try to figure this out, but I think we would just end up in this sort of circle talking about the same yes. thing. So let's let's move forward. Um, you know, let's talk about fear. Let's talk about, you know, something that people face often. You know, let's let's make it a little bit interesting. Let's talk about your fear, Joe. I mean, what is what is something that you are truly afraid of? What an interesting question. You mean right now? What I'm well, truly I mean, afraid of? Just something that you you know that's that's in your thoughts. Something that that you think about that is you would you know classify as a fear. Maybe you know maybe if you were external to yourself and maybe you if you were counseling someone that is you know under your teaching maybe you would have a different answer than your own behavior for what a fascinating question um and i am being transparent and i am taking that in and i'm going to answer that in a truly authentic way so at this point in time as you're interviewing me i'm going through a divorce now that is the most emotional, cathartic, expensive, traumatic, uncomfortable, isn't a strong enough word, to describe how dark and unpleasant this experience has been. There's everything from grief to guilt to regret. There have been nights that I considered taking my own life, and I wasn't close enough to do that and know enough tools to pull away from that. But to be candid, those thoughts were there. I, of course, lost my father during this as well. I have had one relative who did try to commit suicide also recently. And so I am in a place where I am entirely recreating my life going in a new direction, ending a long-term relationship, actually beginning a new relationship, doing it at age 65, which also was mind-boggling to at least me, because I thought, well, at age 65, I've done it all. I've created my empire. Mm -hmm. I have worked decades to create this kingdom that I have, and I've been in an apartment for the last eight months. So... There is that that is going on that is very real and very raw. Now, as I tell you this, and I've never talked about it with this depth through this extent, 
I also want to say that there were a couple times on social media, Instagram or Twitter, where I posted a couple short videos, and I was doing it to tell people, look, social media is an illusion. You see happy faces. You see people partying and dancing. You see funny little clips of animals and babies, and you see me, and you see me from time to time smiling as big as can be, but you don't know that five seconds before that, I may have been in tears, and five seconds after that was photo was taken, I may have been in tears. What you see is an illusion because we only share and post the very best of what's going on in our lives. In a sense, it's an ego trip, and we're wanting uh, likes and applause to say, hey, look how great you're doing. So we cherry-pick our life moments. Mm -hmm. But I posted a couple where I was saying, life is not that fantastic for me all the time. So I've been learning a lot from Stoics and Stoicism and Marcus Aurelius and mm -hmm. Ryan Holiday and all those guys. Sure. And they are actually helping me survive. Yeah. They're helping me survive. And I've shared that on social media as well, pointing out everybody. I wrote a song that's it's a big deal. It's, there's a lot of there's a music video about it and it was in Rolling Stone magazine, all of that. It was called Everybody's Going Through Something. And I wrote that, I think, in 2012. But boy, oh boy, I did not know just how much people are going through. And I didn't know just how much I would go through. Everybody is going through something, including me. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, Joe, what a, what a powerful moment in this interview. You know, it, it felt like I could hear a pin drop just in that moment that oh. we just had and created. And I, I, you know, I sincerely deeply appreciate your authenticity and your willingness to be open and vulnerable in this moment uh, here with us and the, everyone that is listening and everyone that will hear this episode. I'm sure they will appreciate that openness from you because um, you know, sometimes it's easy to look up to our heroes and regard them as impervious. You know, they're invincible. They, you know, and we—it's—it's we, it's a misconception. You know, we're all human. We all have our our faults, our our things. You know that that make us human and remind us that we are human. Uh -huh. So, you know, I, I sincerely uh sincerely appreciate your your ability to really be open with us. You know, here and now, I um. You know, I want to talk to you about, you know, like when let's talk about relationships. Let's talk about when two people feel like they're falling in love. You know, it's, it's a good segue with with what you're talking about. You know, so it, it, there there are many things happening, right? I mean, there's there's many things occurring. What is your regard to, you know, relationships that work and relationships that that fall apart and that don't work? Yeah, that's another big question. <laughs> you're one of the the most thought, you are. You're one of the most thoughtful and intriguing and in-depth interviews I've ever done over the last few decades. So this is a, oh, a joy. And at the same time, you have me dancing on my toes uh, to keep up with you. <sighs> so relationships. I've been in two long-term relationships. Both of them lasted 20 years, which I think I should get a medal for that. And now – in a third one, I don't know that that'll last 20 years because I'm 65, but who knows? You know, I don't want to put a limiting belief on myself, my lifespan, or relationships. But I've often wondered, especially over the last eight, nine months as I've gone through this separation, that people do drift apart. And the very people that might be coming together because of a, a magnetism that they may not even understand themselves. Yes, there's some mutual interest, and yes, there may be physical attraction, and yes, there may be something esoteric surface that's simmering, that's bringing them together. At some point, that may just simply dissolve. Mm. I don't know that that's a bad thing. My parents stayed together 60-some years and I don't know if they were happy most of that time. I think the old school people did, you know, our parents and grandparents probably stayed together until the death because they took that oath and because they were afraid to do anything else. And despite it all, they just kept biting their teeth and maybe not talking to each other and not being intimate with each other, but still lived together because they just forced themselves to get through it. Mm -hmm. I'm toying with writing a book called when truths collide 
when truths collide. Mm -hmm. And the idea behind it is if two people who are together and have been together for a very long time start to drift apart because of an organic, very natural interest in something else, not necessarily somebody else, but something else, then they will probably not be able to easily be together. I think that there's something that's more natural and organic and loving to allow that unfoldment. I don't know that that's really easy because if both people in the relationship start to drift apart and they're not really honest with themselves, one or the other may be very bitter. They may be very resentful. They may still want to hold on to the known. Mm-hmm. But then I got to take a, a helicopter, not even a helicopter. We have to go to outer space and look down mm-hmm. at this whole concept and start to realize that, look, life has an ebb and, an ebb and flow to it that doesn't necessarily fit the legal parameters of marriage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is an ebb and flow from a higher perspective and from a universal lifespan that is saying it is quite natural to drift apart. It, it may be natural to stay together till the end as well. I'm not dismissing that. We're just having this free-form dialogue, and I'm sharing some thoughts, right. including the idea that, hey, at some point, truths may collide and you may drift apart. Right. And it's okay. Right. And, you know, in it, it really seems like you know, back to, you know, this greater awareness of this larger picture, this very mystical unknown about, you know, what our lives are and the direction of them. And, you know, maybe what we even reflect into ourselves as what success may or may not be, you know, I mean, there are people who have tons of money, but they are bored, unhappy, and, you know, on the verge of suicide. So, you know, money isn't everything. And I think I think also importantly to note, you know, in, in the regard of relationships and those types of experiences, when, you know, when we experience that sort of disconnect, there's there's a healing, there's a profound healing that's that's required where we look into ourselves and we're learning to love ourselves again right so you know what would you offer in those terms in the ter- in the terms of healing trauma and looking at ourselves with love and compassion yeah big big questions again from my own personal experience and over the decades of working with different people as, you know, as a coach to them or mentor to them or hearing from them when they read my books or listen to the audios, I would say that the number one thing that we all need to relearn, including myself, is a self-appreciation, a self-approval, a self-acceptance. I want to say self-love, but too many people rush in with that's all ego. And I'm not talking about an ego. I'm talking about a healthy respect for yourself, a healthy grading of your life and everything you've done, all the decisions you've made with an acceptance, with a non-judgmental, loving appreciation. And the bigger word that I've been holding back to bring in here for the right moment is forgiveness. And it's not forgiving anybody else. I mean, that's part of the picture. And we always talk about forgiving somebody who caused the trauma or drama or the people we blame for certain things. There is a a forgiveness we need to do there. But the bigger forgiveness is a forgiveness to ourselves, to each of us, a forgiveness to myself. Part of what I've wrestled with when I said, you know, guilt and um, resentment and grief is a self-punishment that was coming from a lack of forgiveness to me. We will be more empowered, we will be happier, we will be healthier when we forgive ourselves for what we have deemed wrong. Mm -hmm. That is the the big lesson. It's the self-acceptance, self-appreciation, and forgiving ourselves to get there. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's resounding, Joe. I mean, I this this conversation is such a taken such a deep 
turn. I knew it would be a powerful conversation, but I had no idea that we would go here and, you know, have such a moment, so many moments of so much wisdom that, you know, you're offering. Um, there, there are some questions that we should probably get started on now. Uh, okay, so here we go. So um, Alec asks, if you were to wake up naked in the middle of a city with $100 and no knowledge in anything other than the basics of what you preach, how would you go from that point of being wealthy in, of that point to being wealthy enough to buy that city? To buy that city? Yes. Is that what? So oh, having, that's what yes. Well, what a wonderfully constructed question. I wake up nude with $100, but at the end of a certain period of time, I own the city itself. <laughs> wow. This is cool. You've got some amazing <laughs> listeners here. Well, I would go back. Uh, Robert Allen did the challenge 20-some years ago. Or it might have been longer. I don't know. He's the real estate guy, and the book's called The Challenge. I would tell people to go read it because it's still around, and it's always inspired me. And he was the guy who would say – Give me five people from any unemployment line. As long as they have a driver's license, I will have them owning land in uh, 30 or 90 days, and they will have $5,000 in the bank. They will know how to create their reality. They will be empowered, and they'll be able to be in business. And the L.A. Times followed him, wrote about him. He's also the guy that did another challenge where he said, take away my wallet. Leave me with $100 and my driver's license. Drop me in any fairly mid-sized city, and I will own property in 30 days, and I will be making money from it. And again, he did that. So I know that these things are possible. In this particular case, it's bothering me that I wake up nude. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even have underwear. Why do I have to wake up nude? I mean, this is – the hundred dollars is gonna. I'm gonna run to the local store and buy pants. I mean, <laughs> I know Alec is probably thinking like, what, "What was that?" Okay. Right. I don't know. I run to the Goodwill mission. I'd run to the you know. I'd run to another homeless person and say, "Hey, do you have an extra pair of pants?" I understand homeless people are pretty nice to other homeless people, so I'd probably but, but start I mean, there. But I, but I mean, Joe, I, I think you know if I, if I can speak for Alec, it, you know, maybe he was talking about the later stages of you know that that aspect of wealth creation when you know Uh you're you're managing multi-level aspects of you know like a business and corporation Uh well uh, let's back up a little bit because i want to make sure i answer his question okay I've often said that an answer to homelessness is empowering people. And one of the ways to empower them first is with inspiration, letting them know I and others were homeless and we got out of it. So you can too. The second is, is by leveraging the Internet. And I've said, look, even if you're broke, the public library has computers. The public library will let you use them for free. You can go online. So you can start to begin a business, but what business would you do? The third thing is I would tell people to look at their life experience and their education, their interest and their hobbies, trying to find what they do that might be unique that they can turn into a digital product. That could be an ebook, that could be an audio book, that can be a video book. If it's just done at the library on the computer, it can very easily be an ebook. You just type it up. And I have met many people who thought I have nothing to offer, and I talked to one person, and he said, "Well, I in the past time, my past time, I raised tomatoes." Oh, okay, that's a product. There are people who do not know how to raise tomatoes. Those people are your audience. So you, even if you're a beginner at raising tomatoes, would be writing your little ebook on how to raise tomatoes with the idea that you're going to be offering it to the beginners that are below you. Mm-hmm. I've met a woman one time and I was exploring the same thing, saying, okay, she wanted to make money. She had no money. She heard you can do it on the internet. And as I talked to her, she said that um, she had taught herself how to play the guitar. And I said, okay, how did you do that? She says, well, I just figured out that rather than making full chords, I just make chords out of my two fingers. So I made scaled down chords. And I said, that's brilliant. Turn that into a little digital product on how to learn to play the guitar in you know, a weekend with only two fingers. Mm-hmm. And she did. 
making money. So this is the direction I would go in. And then to answer your question, once it got bigger, I'm a big fan of delegating. I do not know it all. I don't know how to build websites. I don't know the techie side of most of the internet. I'm more of a copy guy and more of a content creation kind of a person. And so I do what is my strength and I delegate out what I need done, giving it to people who find it their joy to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd be doing things like that. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's actionable advice. I, I like that answer. Um, and like I said, I mean, we we have some amazing listeners that are highly into intellectual. So this question, you know, it kind of goes in that same vein. This is from okay. uh, Burbles. He he asks um, at this time, do you have a clear understanding of what works and how to get there? Like as as a professional athlete might or is it still fuzzy sort of cheerleader hype? And that's what he, that's what he wants to know. I love the question. I have a very clear answer and a very pr- clear practical way. Let me give you a quick summation of this. I'm a fan of brain science. I'm a fan of, a fan of neuroplasticity. I'm a fan of learning how the brain operates to get what we want. In general, our reticular activating system, the RAS in the back of our brain, is already programmed to bring us into survival. It's on alert to tell us if there's any dangers in the room, and that's where our fear shows up. That's where our worry shows up because it's alerting us to that. What most people don't know is that you can program the reticular activating system to go for what you do want. So the very first step, very real, scientifically proven, repeatedly done by, I don't know, millions of people by now, certainly by me and written about in my various books, state your intention. What do you want to have, do, or be? And you have to do it with clarity. You have to pretend that this intention is going right to the hands of God, so to speak. Or if you were going to order a coat and you went to the department store, you wouldn't say, give me a coat. You would say, give me this color, give me this style, give me this size, and give it to me by Wednesday. So the intention is the very first thing. The second thing is you want to make an image, some sort of graphical representation, because your brain responds to images. It's not enough just to write it out in the intention. You need a photo, a graphic, an art piece. This is why vision boards are so talked about by everybody from Oprah to the people that were in The Secret. A vision board is a board where you put the examples of what you want to attract into your life. It could be a car. It could be a house. It could be money. It could be a relationship. So you want some sort of visual because the brain responds to the visual. This is a fact. Mm -hmm. The next is you want to look at your visual with an emotion because the emotion fires the brain and turns on the neurons that will activate the reticular activating system to alert you to ways to to achieve it. So you need to be able to look at it with emotion, but the emotion most people have is fear or worry or hate. As I mentioned in the beginning of our wonderful interview here, I said you want to focus on what you love. The thing that you're wanting to attract should be something you're passionate about, should be something you're excited about. So when you look at the image or you look at your intention, you're actually feeling a rousing, juicy, exciting emotion. If you look at it and you don't care or you're flat, then you haven't found what you actually want. These things all activate the brain. And then the third thing is repetition. The brain responds to repetition. If you want to learn anything, you just keep repeating it and you all memorize the song or the poem or the foreign language or whatever it happens to be. This is why so many people are told, put up your vision board or write down your intentions and look at them morning, noon and night. Mm-hmm. Why? Repetition. Mm-hmm. These steps are concrete, scientific, proven to work. Take them to the bank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love it. I love it, Joe. I mean, I, I love those practical tips that you know i could soak those up all day um you know i, I want to switch gears again and <clears throat> I, I know we've gone in you know with some some in different angles with this interview and so you know with with all due respect joe i mean no disrespect whatsoever i value your work very highly so but i, what, I want I, I have to be real with this i have to be real about the way that i feel with this and in my own authenticity you know i want to ask about 
you know, this, this sort of industry of, you know, um, let me pay me money to teach you how to make money. Right. Mm. So, I mean, there's, I mean, of course, you know, some people can afford that and God bless them, you know, but I, I, you know, but do you think there could be, this is the industry that you're in. I'm, I'm sure with, um, I mean, there was, there's, I could drop names. I I don't want to, but I'm sure there are some CD practices in that vein of operation. Right. So, you know, how do you feel about that? And if you could address that, please. Yeah, it's a wonderful question. And I appreciate you being so honest about it. Uh, I am not in favor of that kind of manipulation of people's situations or their feelings or their despair. I am all about inspiring people to get their results. I have given away and still give away so much because I was homeless. I was in poverty. I know that sting. I know what it's like to starve and be insecure and be worried and even in terror and to be suicidal because of those worries. I wrote a book called Attract Money Now. I give it away. It's at attractmoneynow.com. Why do I give it away? It is a complete book with seven steps in it, seven steps that I have used to help people attract money no matter where they're at. The very first step is involving their mindset because I don't think they can get anywhere until the mindset is, is cleared up. You can feed people all kind of principles and practices, but if at the heart of their soul, they don't think they deserve it or they think money's bad or they don't think they are going to ever achieve anything because they are lacking in some way, they will sabotage their own efforts to success. So I give away attractmoneynow.com. My secret hope is once they read it and apply it, they'll have money and then they'll come back and they'll buy coaching with me or other books by me or, you know, come to an event or something at that point. But I don't want anybody ever to be so broke that they're putting their last dime in on somebody who has promised that that dime is going to turn into millions. I'm not that guy. I don't endorse anybody who is doing that. And I have a long list of things I give away free. Attract Money Now is just one of them to help those people who are actually in a place where they can't help themselves otherwise. That's what I'm in favor of doing. You know, reach down and help people. And then hopefully they'll pass it forward and they'll help other people when they get off the, off the ground too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. You know, you, you pay it forward because – that's you know that's the sort of the law of things you know that's the sort of that's the best way that you can connect with the the higher purpose or the higher higher power and kind of wake up and look at yourself in the mirror and accept that unless i mean unless unless you know widely speaking it seems like there is this i don't know you know this this spiritual war that's that's happening on this planet against you know light and dark and it it almost seems like the dark is winning so now more than ever it's important for us to be as real as possible to give to those that are less fortunate than we are and you know really be present as as much as we can we, we do need to shine our light There is a war going on. The dark is not winning. The light is winning. But all of us need to turn on our brightest inner spotlight. In fact, there's a meditation that I can just describe it and people can do it whenever they like. It's the idea of pretending that there is like a pilot light inside their chest. Uh, a, a dot of light, like at the end of the tunnel, or if they know the old furnaces and, and, and ovens where there's a little bit of a light there, the, the kindling has started, but there's not a big blaze. And so they look at that little bit of light in their chest, but then start to imagine that it expands because you turn up the gas or you add more logs to it or just with your intention, you imagine it gets brighter and brighter. And then treating it as a kind of a meditation, that bright light begins to expand in your entire body where the light goes down into your legs, it goes into your feet, it goes up into your chest, it goes into your arms, it goes into your neck, it goes into your head until you become this being of light. And then as this being of light, start to imagine that it is radiating out from you, like radiating from your aura and going out and touching other auras. And we can keep expanding this even right now with all the people listening, if they can just pretend and play with this little image and see this fire of love, this light 
emulating from me and from you and then from everybody else on here, that it's expanding to it's reaching everybody that's on the call. And then all the people who aren't on the call and all the people and their neighbors and the family until the whole planet is ablaze with light. And as we know, we don't have to do anything to get rid of the dark. All we have to do is turn on the light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's, there's actually a really great analogy that I heard. You know, um, if if you just if you just take you know a, a dark room and you you walk into it, you know, and you light in the center of that room one single candle it will you know it would fill that that whole room but if you if you try to do the opposite you know if you try to take darkness if you try to take a dark room and apply it you know to light it it just doesn't work it doesn't work in the same way so i mean joe we're we're wrapping this up i mean it, we're a little bit wow. over this flew by you know i i'd love for you to sort of take all of this together and you know, tie it into a bow. You're you're a fantastic speaker. So, you know, maybe the larger message or larger purpose for the the you know the the long term view of a person's life and their meaning and all those things. Wow. I want to remind people that the miracle is now. It's not in the past, as nice as it might have been. It's not in the future, as nice as we want it to be. The past and the future do not exist except as mental constructs. All we have is this moment. I mean, literally, this moment is the miracle. And then realize that you are in this moment. You are part of the miracle. All of life is this wonderful puzzle. And I have a piece to play. When I play my piece, my puzzle fits into the game of life. And when you play your piece, your part fits into the game of life. And then life begins to work. So I encourage people to tune into their soul, look for those green flags, follow their passion, trust the great something, and realize this is the miracle. Hmm. Yeah, so powerful. I mean, there's, it really does seem that you, you know, you are teaching people to be aware of the science of miracles. And, you know, you're, you're giving it a science and it's, it's needed more than ever now. It really is. So, Joe, I mean, here's, here's your chance, you know, you want to plug, I I mean, I know, do you, is there a tour coming up? Are you going to be speaking anywhere? I I know you've got a bunch of different books in the works. I, I know there's a, there's a master class that people can attend with you. Where's the website? How do people get there? Is there is there a certain book, uh, Zero Point? Which which one would you like to recommend? Yeah. Wow. I do so many things. I've written so many books, so much music. It's it's tough to just say one thing. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I have a website called VitaliLifeMastery.com. Vitali is my last name. V I T A L E. VitaliLifeMastery.com. There are courses there. There are free courses there. Uh, Introduction to Miracles, uh, Attracting Money. There's all kind of things that are absolutely free or only cost 5 or $7. My books are on Amazon. Books like Zero Limits have been incredibly popular. The Awakened Millionaire is popular. The Attractor Factor that I mentioned a couple times are popular. My music's on iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, everywhere. The album I was referring to is called The Great Something. And the book I was saying anybody can have for free is Attract Money Now. Just go to attractmoneynow.com or it's also at vitalilifemastery.com. And I just want to thank everybody for listening and thank you for inviting me. Godspeed to all of you. I am incredibly grateful to be part of this journey. Guys, what an amazing, credible, credible interview. I mean, Joe's work is truly resounding. I, I can't recommend it enough. I mean, there's there's so much of this that he puts into a science and a formula that sometimes we need. We need that formula. We need, And we're missing that gap in our minds. So I do recommend picking up a copy of any, a number of his books that that are available um awakened millionaire is a really really good one but that's that's gonna do and we will make those links available uh 
in the in the description of this video and in uh on the website uh, so that's gonna do it for us here if you made it to the end thank you so very much um if you are not subscribed to us on youtube if you're listening to this on youtube click subscribe click the bell so you're notified when we go live if you're listening to this via the podcast version please please get over to itunes leave us a review positive or negative that's okay whatever you think about the show it helps us stay relevant one of the very common thing themes that i get from people is they they're they're so surprised that we've interviewed all these amazing guests but they haven't heard about us yet so the biggest compliment that you can give us is by sharing our work with your friends and your family thank you guys so much for tuning in and you will hear from us next week